0: Does that not just energize you? Does that not just help you to understand that God is absolutely alive and well and doing great things all around the world? Don't listen to what the media says that God's dead and he's not doing anything. God is doing major things all the time everywhere. Let's be a part of what God is doing. As a matter of fact, like as a fire, the background here is the Azusa Street Mission there in Los Angeles, California, This is like as a fire. This is a magazine. When they were holding the revivals that started in 1906, there was a magazine that they were putting out that was being sent all around the world because people were traveling from all over the world because they had heard what God was doing. That fire had fallen in this little church there in Los Angeles, California. And they were coming, and this is a remake of that magazine, and a pastor friend of mine actually owns this. I tried to steal it from him. He wouldn't let me do it, and, the, and I took pictures of it to try to find where I can get one, and I haven't been able to find it. They're out of print, and somebody told me last night that was with me while I was ministering said, I know where, uh, there's, where they have them. The Assemblies of God archives have made them available. They've done reprints, so I'm going to be able to get, get my own personal copy. Praise God. You see, because we read about the testimonies, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our what? By the word of our testimonies. Why? Because the devil hates testimonies. The devil hates hearing about what God is doing. I, I don't want to say what God is doing because every time I do that, I get attacked. Will you know why? Because the enemy hates testimonies. What you got to do is when he attacks you, you just got to have another testimony and just live a life of testimonies. Just of God every week, every day. As we look at this, turn to uh, Acts chapter 2. My my fault. I didn't ask you to turn there. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Go ahead and turn there. I want you to see it. I'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. But I want you to open your Bible and I want you to see it. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, King James says fully come, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Jesus had He had ascended into the heavens and said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. 500 went in a room. 40 days later, there was only 120 of them. And there are many reasons for that. But it says when they were together and they were waiting on God and they were saying, God, we're here for your promise. It says suddenly there came from heaven a noise. Are you hearing me? A noise like a violent, mighty, rushing wind. Like a mighty rushing wind, depending on the translation. It'll say a violent rushing wind. King James says a mighty rushing wind. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit sounds like when it comes in. I've been in places where we've been ministering, and all of a sudden I'll hear blinds start moving and stuff like that. That's, that's not the devil. That's God moving in with His Spirit, touching life where you can feel it. You can, I've had my pants legs move by the blowing of the wind of God coming by, rushing by as He's touched people. It says the whole house, it was filled the whole house. Somebody say whole house. The whole house, not part of the house, not just the room where that happened. No, everywhere they were, the entire house from edge corner to corner to corner was filled with the very presence and the mighty rushing wind of God. And there appeared to them tongues like as of fire, like as of fire distributing themselves upon them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in Azusa Street time, and I want to talk a little bit about this, Brother Seymour, who I'm going to share, I'm going to show you a picture, began to say that what they called it was the biblical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because they didn't have any reference point. There was no reference point. They were experiencing it for the first time. In America, it basically, for the most part, was was not even available throughout the entire United States. And they were going literally by experience, by experience, by experience, because they had no one to teach them. There was no reference point. The only thing they had was the Word of God and comparing the Word of God with what they were experiencing. And this is what was happening there in Azuzu Street. Let me go ahead and show you Parham. He was in Topeka, Kansas, and he had some weird considerations, but he believed that God wanted to touch his people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. I believe that that's biblical. I believe that, and I've seen that over and over and over and over again. But he had not received it himself, and he started a Bible college in Topeka. And he had students, and they were seeking God, but they had not received it either. But he knew God was saying, I want to do this. And here is a house right next to it. A man by the name of Mr. Stone was very, very wealthy and began to build this house in Topeka, Kansas. And he lost all of his money. He had a, there was a major falling out right at the turn of the 1900s. Uh, he lost everything, and he quit building the house, and he rented it to Brother Parham to, for them to have a Bible college. It is said that as they had it for a little while that he got tired of them renting it and there were some uh, bootleggers that wanted to rent it because they were gonna give him a lot more money and he kicked out the Bible college and Brother Parham said, if you do that, God's gonna hold you accountable for that and he's gonna gonna touch you for touching his people and uh, within just a few months of him kicking them out, the house burned down. While they were there, he went to do some missions work in Russia. When he was gone, when he came back, he walked in And all of his students, when he walked in the house from coming back from his mission trip, all of his students were in a room seeking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know what they were seeking for. All they had was Acts chapter 2. And they said, that's what we're looking for right there. This is what we want. And a a lady by the name of Agnes came up to him and said, Brother Parham, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pray for me. And he said, no, I don't even know how to pray for you. They're seeking it, but he didn't even know how. And she said, you must pray for me. I'm telling you, you must pray for me. She finally convinced him, and this happens in India all the time. Dr. Lynn will tell you that, and others that have been with us. They'll grab your hand and shove it on their head. Not, now, in America, that would be kind of like, what are you doing? But there, they're saying, no, 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 you're not getting away from here until you pray for me. And here's what happened. She said, you're going to pray for me. grab his hand, put it on her head. And she got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And then all of the students got, and then Brother Parham got it in just a, a matter of hours. He went to Houston to begin to teach and opened up, right there in Houston, he began to open up a a Bible college short-term. While he was there, there was a man named William Seymour, a black gentleman that lived in Centerville, Louisiana. His dad was Simon Seymour, and he was a slave. His mother and father were slaves, and God spared him the war when they came out, and they were freed, and so at that time... When he was younger, he lost one eye to smallpox, so he was unlearned for the most part uh, because of his, just what was available to him. He had come out of a, a slave home. He was, free, he was a free man now, but yet the laws of the land had still not really changed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so he went. He left Centerville and kind of went up. Travis, you'll like this. He went to Ohio seeking from God and then went over into Kansas heard about Brother Parham, but found out he was in Houston, came down to Houston. And while he was in Houston, they wouldn't let him sit in the class because he was a black man. And what he did was, Brother Parham said, I'll let you sit outside on the steps or out in the hall, and we'll crack the door open so that you can hear what we're teaching. Now, this is truth. Now, let me me ask you a question. How many of you would have just got mad and gone home? But God had a purpose. There was a hunger that was there was a hunger inside of Brother Seymour. There was a hunger inside of him that was deeper than the prejudice that was coming against him. He had a hunger that said, I'm going to press through that stuff and I'm going to get what God wants regardless of what other people think. Man, if he, if he stopped just because of what people thought, we would not even have this church. Pentecost would, of course, God will do what he wants sovereignly. But we would not have it in the, the way that we know it today that I'm telling you about today. And as he was there, while he was there, The lady that was taking care of Brother Parham's children heard of a church in California that wanted a minister to come. And he went. And he left Houston. He had got some teaching. He had heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's studying Acts chapter 2, but he has still not received himself the experience of Acts chapter 2. And he goes to California. He goes to Los Angeles, and he goes into uh, a Nazarene church. And he preaches the first night of their extended meetings. And he preaches on Acts chapter 2, what we just read, 1 through 4. And uh, he preaches. And the next day he comes to do the meetings. And the door is locked to the church. And there's a sign that says, we don't believe what you're teaching. And uh, the meetings have been shut down. There were 15 people in that church that said, we believe what you're preaching. We want what God says. And we want what the Word of God has. We want it. We know what Jesus is, but we want that power. We want, by the way, it says the power of God that came on him. In the Greek is the word dunamis. Many of you know that. And that is the word where we get our word for dynamite. Dunamis power, dynamite power. That is where that word comes from. Because how many of you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings explosive power in our lives? Let me tell you something. Demons flee for people who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know in whom you believe. He goes, Jesus is not enough. Jesus is absolutely enough. But he said, but I want to give you something that is going to give you power over the enemy like you've never experienced. And as he went there, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Fifteen people said, we want this. Come over to our house. The, the, the family's name was the Asbury's. Bonnie Bray Street, it's still there. The house is still there on Bonnie Bray Street. There, and you can go. It's been kept. You can go in. You can tour it. And that is where the prayer meetings began. It began with the 15 people. Uh, the next day it was like 30. The next day was 50. The next day was 100. And in one month, they had 500 plus people. They were hanging out the windows. And there were so many people there. If, if you would see other pictures, and you can go online and look it up. You can just look at Azusa Street Revival or Bonnie Bray Street. And you can see that the house is elevated off the road. And he used the porches like a podium to preach to the people. In fact, the uh, health department was wanting to come and shut the whole thing down because they had the kids everywhere. They were climbing in windows. They were anything to hear the message. And people receiving. They were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but Brother Seymour had not received it yet, and he's preaching it. Let me, let me explain something to you. Here's a man who's basically, in, in a nutshell, unlearned for, for the most part. He only has one eye that he can see out of. He doesn't even have the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, and miracles are happening all around him. If the devil is telling you that you have to have everything perfect and in order, well, God, I can't pray for healing because, you know, I have a pain or I have an ailment myself. Don't let the devil stop you from praying. Look, it's God that does the healing anyway. Let me explain. Amen. I want you to think about something, and please, for those who know me—if if you're here for the first time and you don't know me—you know I, I'm, I'm not being aggressive or anything like that. But for those who know me, you know what I'm saying. You know, the truth is, is that we would never pray for anybody that was sick if we worried about all of that. I mean, we've prayed for AIDS patients, people with flesh-eating diseases. You know what? You got to believe God for stuff. I'm not advocating that you necessarily do that, but all I'm saying is, is that at some point you got to step out and believe God for something. You know what? You you don't have to start with, uh, you know, in 30 seconds they're dying on their deathbed. You don't necessarily have to start there. How about start somewhere else? (laughs) How about with a headache? The Bible says to the measure of your faith, He meters it out. A measure of the Spirit, He gives each one their measure. You got to start somewhere. You're looking for perfection. You're never going to find it in yourself. It's only in God himself. When are you going to step out and say, God, thank you for working in these things in my life, but I'm going and I'm doing what you're asking me to do. And the devil will be on your shoulder. I'm listening to what God is saying. Lisa said last night while I was ministering, of course, I was shouting and everything in my, if you've been in my home and my study, and she was in the bedroom sleeping as she woke up (laughs) because I was getting a little excited. (laughs) And Andrew was, was with us also. In, um, he's in children's ministry, which is awesome. He couldn't wait to get there. Travis, you'll love to hear that, right? He just couldn't wait to get back there. Uh, as he's with us, Lisa woke up and said, man, she woke up and had to really start coming against a particular, you know, God began to speak to her about particular things to begin to pray against. and She came out of a deep sleep, and God's quickened that because as I was ministering, right? How many of you know the enemy is not just sitting around? Church, if we believe there's a real God, then we understand there's a real devil. And if God's alive, the enemy's alive, but we've got a God who says, I've defeated the enemy. I've taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and I have the ability to give you the ability to walk in victory. You have to choose to walk in that victory. In one month, they outgrew that house. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you that they were on the porch and they had so many people praying and interceding and pursuing God that the front porch, the house fell off the foundations and the front porch fell off of it. So they knew they had to move and they found an old church. It was, a, it was a, listen, it was a black Episcopal slash Methodist church or maybe Methodist Episcopal. <laughs> and, and it had been closed and they had used it as a stable and it was on Azusa Street. And that's what this was. That is the building right there. That is the building. That is the man. That is, that is on the corner of the street right now. That's the street sign. That's right there at the corner. The building's not there anymore. They tore it down. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. They had used it as a stable. They had used it as storage and then as a horse stable. And they said, we, we want to use it for God. But they didn't have any money when they found out what they wanted for it. He was praying, and God said, "I want you to go to this address." Now, at that time, not only was there not integration—if you were of the wrong color, you were not to be on the street after dark. And God said, "I want you to go to this address in this affluent area of California." And he said, "God, you know, I can't get there in daylight, and not only that, uh, I'm going into." God said, "Do what I ask you to do," and he went. What he didn't know is that there was a, a multiple couples that were extremely affluent in that area that we're praying, saying, God, we believe that there's more, and we're praying that you're going to touch our city, Los Angeles, with the power of God. He walks up to that area, and he, in this well-dressed, you can imagine, lady comes to the door and says, can I help you? (laughs) That's how it's written down. They, They have it documented, how she responded to him. And he said, the Lord sent me here and said that, that uh, he wanted me to come and talk to you about what we're doing. And she said, We'll come in. And when he came in, then the living room, they had all these couples there praying. And as they came in, they, well, guess what he got the money for? To buy the building. And they bought the building, cleaned it out, and they just built wood benches that they would sit on. Brother Rhodes, Sister Jean are still here. Brother Rhodes, 12 years old, came with Pastor King in 1952. And I'm bringing this up. I want to talk about this if God allows later. But at 12 years old, he used to stay in the tent to guard the tent so that the locals here in Lafayette would not cut the tent down for the tent meetings to start this church. He was 12. He's a little older than 12 today. Still praising God. Still calling us once a week, I pray for you you and Sister Lisa every day. Pastor. You know what kind of value that is? Brother Allen, one of the things that I said, that it would take three people to re- maybe to replace him in prayer. How he calls and say, I'm, I'm, "I pray for you. you and the first lady." that's what he called Lisa. Nobody asked him to do that. He just did it. Don't start that. But that, that was him. He just loved he just loved Lisa. And he said, "Pray for you every day." You see, and as he began to do that, he began to pray, and guess what? Brother Seymour got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he began to move out, and God began to do powerful things the miracles, the testimonies, the, the creative miracles. They said the glory of God was so strong. Now, I've seen the Shekinah glory of God multiple times, but it's always been in the... So like it would be like this, but you couldn't see the lights. It would be like a, it'd be like trying to see all the roof lights through fog. I've never seen it where it's slow, but they said it did just for three and a half years, seven days a week, three services a day, they would have the glory of God was, was multiple inches thick and with just a fog on the floor of the mission. It is said that Brother Seymour, they would want to pray for people. He would, Listen to this. I, I, I had never heard this. I was reading this, and I'd never heard this. They would have to actually push it aside to be able to see what they were praying for and, and ministering. People, you hear about them laying down, but they would lay down because they just wanted to breathe in literally the glory of God. People would bring their kids and just let them sleep in the glory of the Lord. And as they did that, once again, I just want to show you, like as of fire, the testimonies uh, are given. It's just not about history. It's not about, but, but Tommy, those are great stories. Aren't those wonderful stories? Because you see, Azusa Street in 1906, what was birthed out of there is what brought worldwide Pentecost. There are over 800 million people who have experienced the day of Pentecost. The reason I'm not saying they're Pentecostal, because everybody, their brains go places when you say that. Am I right? By the way, I've been in services where lightning bolt type lights started bouncing all over in the power of God. People just standing up, just going out in the spirit. People going, I'm healed. People begin to pray in the spirit, baptize in the spirit. Just nobody touching them. You go, why does he do that? I don't know. He's God. Ask him. The Bible says that in lightning, that he, that he shouts in, 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 in the skies. I want to show you a video. This is from the early 70s. It's at Melody Land Christian Center. Anybody ever heard of Melody Land Christian Center, Anaheim, California? Anybody? Lisa has. Anybody else here? Oh wow. Okay, so in, in Anaheim was, how many of you ever heard of Disneyland? Okay, so Disneyland started there, right? Well, Melody Land was a theater where they had acts. That's why it was Melody Land. They had theater, they had musical groups, and all the greatest groups would go there at that time. It was built in 63. By 69, it was basically had kind of fallen a little bit into disrepair. There was no one there. And so Ralph Wilkerson, the pastor there in Anaheim, said, we're going to buy it. And they bought it in 69. It sat 3,500 people and began to explode and brought incredible touches of God there. Now, he, he was a historian. He's, he's going on to be with the Lord now, but they had a Bible college there who's a historian, much like uh, some of the other places across the nation where, I mean, large libraries of just historical books of testimonies. Do you know that um, Brother Schofield, who, who wrote the Schofield Bible, he said that there were more books written on the Holy Spirit alone in the 1890s than of all the previous years combined that they could find. See, God was moving, right? See, Parham started at 1900, then you've got 1906, in Azusa Street breaks out with a man as, as imperfect as you could probably say it. But God used him. He would have crates, and this is truly documented. It's not just statements. And he would come, and he would either sit down and put a crate over his head so he wouldn't see anybody, and he would just pray, and then he would just say the things that God gave him. Or he'd kneel down and put his head in the crate. He did that for three and a half years. I'm going to show you this video. He's interviewing a man. How many of have ever heard of Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship? Okay, awesome. Well, Dimas Shikarian, this man and his family, his family came over with Demis Shikarian's family from Armenia into America and experienced Azusa Street. I did not realize that Dimas Shikarian, had, his family had come out of Azusa Street. So we're going to ask you to turn the lights down here in just a second because it's from the 70s. It's bad quality. But, but it's going to be as good as we can get it. But I, I want you to hear, and I want plenty of volume. Uh, Wes, if you can help us with that, make sure you hear what's being said. I want you to grab hold of what is being said. I want you to, to, to not analyze. I want you to receive it. hearing what I'm saying? One of the, Okay, i got to say this before. Let me explain some to you. I can't tell you how many times that I've prayed with people, they hear what I'm praying over them, but they can't receive it. And I have to actually tell them, stop what you're doing. And say this, I receive. In other words, I get their brain. I don't mean that, that's not a, um, a put down. I'm saying you get your brain focused on saying, God, I receive from you. I received. And all of a sudden, all the striving, all the meta, all the analyzation, everything goes by the wayside. And all of a sudden, bam, I can feel the presence of God explode out of me into people's lives. <clears throat> That's what Jesus said when he said, I felt virtue go into her body, the woman with the issue of blood. That's what that is. It's the anointing of the Lord. It, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not mystical. It's, not, it's just how he, why he does it that way. I mean, you know, again, ask the Lord. I just go, he does it. That's awesome. Let's do it. I was saved about one year. I went to a youth group. Travis, you'll love this. I went to a friend, radical Tommy Falk, one-year-old saved, okay? You know, wildfire, okay, right here. And I went, and, and there was a, was a couple of ladies, and this youth pastor goes, Tommy, I want you to pray for them. They want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. Now, I've, I've got the baptism. God's doing cool things in my life, but I go up to pray for them, and, when I, and, and I go, all right, how do you, <laughs> how do, you do that? <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna, okay. And I go, Lord, bow, and I, I just my fingertips right on their forehead, Jesus, touch them by your spirit right now. And that girl blew back about four feet on the floor and then on the floor began to pray in a beautiful language. And I'm not kidding you. This is what I did. I went, wow. (laughs) (laughs) What you have to understand is I literally felt electricity come out of my hand and and I went, wow. (sighs) You know, no, no. (laughs) I'm just saying, I, I mean... Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm like, what is that? And I went next, and the other (laughs) girls, the girls standing next, like, he's gonna kill me. (laughs) Boom, same thing. And I went, wow, I could do this. This is cool. But that was that was my introduction for laying hands on people to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so when you hear this, I want you to lay down the analysis. I want you to receive. Can you do that with me? Just receive. I think you'll be really blessed. Uh, If you'll help me with the lights, and uh, let's see. What do you know about the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy
1: Ghost is real. The power of the Holy Ghost
0: is great. I saw in a book the
1: other day that your family was in the Azusa Street Revival, Meshagan. Yes, that was my grandfather and my father that was there. Right after they got here from the older country. What old country? Armenia, of course. And... The Holy Spirit had fallen, fallen on them in the old country. Now, Shakarians were in that group. Yes, they were there also, yes. They, now, weren't there some prophecies? Through. Yes. Well, my grandfather prophesied. There was also a young man that prophesied. But my grandfather also prophesied that we must leave the country and come here because of the persecution. And, of course, they did do that. They came here in, I think, 1906. 1905, 1906, somewhere in that area. My father then was about 14, 15 years old. So all of the people could have been wiped out had they not done what God told them. They would have been. Their town, the, the town of Karhalla, Armenia, was completely wiped out. Everyone that remained was killed. So this was the Holy Spirit working in prophecy, telling them what was coming upon the world. Oh, yes. Yes, the Holy Spirit led them out of that place to a, a better country. They came to Canada first. Really? Yes. And then from Canada, they came down into here. And uh, this is where they met people that was of the same faith that they were. You mean the same things were happening down here that were happening over yes, in, in um, the old country? When they When they came here, they were looking for work, of course. You uh, heard the term starving Armenians. Well, they were starving when they came here, believe me. They were out looking for work and they happened to pass a place called Azusa Azusa Street. Street. And they heard some noise in there and they knocked on the door. And uh, in their broken English, which was only a couple words, uh, tried to make themselves known if they could come in. They said, sure, come on in. And that was the Azusa Street outpouring of God's spirit in, in uh, Los Angeles grandpa and uh, my father and Isaac also Demas' uh, uh, dad uh, said this is the same thing that's happened to us I believe Demas's dad was filled with the Holy Ghost in Azusa Street now brother Seymour had not as yet received the Holy Ghost but the church that he came to he read in Acts where the Holy Ghost was for us today with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And he says, I think we ought to delve deeper into this. And so the next night when they came back to church, the church door was closed and there was a note pinned on the door that, that the revival is terminated, that we don't need you here anymore because they did not believe in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Brother Seymour and about 15 people was being turned away when Sister Cotton, another precious black sister, said, come to my house. I'll open my house. Reminds me of Paul and uh, was Lydia. That's it. That went over and come on to my house. You know, and it almost sounds Armenian. Come on to my house. What what street was that now that Sister Cotton's house was? Uh, Bonnie Bray. Bonnie Bray. Yeah, Bonnie. Thank you, because I didn't remember Uh that. We've been
0: there and you'll see
1: that. Yeah, Bonnie Bray, right. Now, uh, can you remember any of the things in particular that your father or grandfather told you about in that re- uh, revival? What in, you know, you know. one of the things that really stands out to me, uh, of course, uh, it may not to you, but the fire department was called out because they said there was fire burning in that place and they could see flames of fire shooting up out of the place. And they came down and searched and there was no fire except for the Holy Ghost fire. That's what they saw. The people saw businessmen came from all around. And they were drawn. Nobody told them about the place being there. But both whites and blacks got together and received the power of the Holy Ghost. And that was the beginning of Pentecost.
0: Amen. Praise God. Let me explain something to you. The languages, they had Russians, Chinese, Japanese. People from all over the world would come. Listen to this, the, the, the train station, because, you know, they didn't have planes, they didn't have all the ways that we get around. Today, we want to go to California, we get in a car in two and a half days or three days we're there. They didn't have that, they were on trains, they would come two miles away from Azusa Street, get off of the train, come into the depot, the managers of the depot station were calling the police saying, we don't know what to do with these people, when they would come off and step on the land, they would fall out under the presence of God. And then they would finally get them up and they'd say, we're looking for this place called Azusa Street and they, the, the, the mission, the revival that's happening. Twelve major spirit-filled denominations were started out of Azusa Street that are still touching lives here today and the Assemblies of God was one of them. And that's why we have the ability to even be here today. Why we're believing God for, for transformation. Why we're believing God to do a mighty work. Come on. Why do I get on the internet at 1 o'clock? Let me tell you something. If I don't think God's going to do something, you think I'm getting on the internet at 1 o'clock in the morning just to hear myself talk? No, no, no. We, we have other things. I'd rather just sleep. But you can't sleep when you know God's going to be doing miracles like that. How many of you want a touch of God right now? If you want God to touch your life, just stand right, right where you are. Come on. Begin to pray. Uh, David, I want, you to, I want you to pray. Just come up this way. And I want you to pray and say, God, just just speak to my heart just speak to my heart